I don't know that I have ever preached what I'm preaching this morning. And when I say that, I don't just mean that I've ever preached out of this portion of Scripture. I don't know that I've ever preached on this subject this morning. And uh, it is fundamental, uh, um, important, foundational Scripture that we are reading here today. I've certainly made reference to it, as all preachers have, if they're preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I've never preached an entire message that I'm aware of or that I recall on this passage of Scripture and on this subject here today. Back about three years ago, I preached out of a verse from this passage of Scripture, uh, one verse of it, but it was a totally different message. I preached on what the Bible had to say about hell, what Jesus and what the Bible said about hell. And uh, this morning, that's not the subject. This morning, the subject is the judgment. And I'm preaching out of Revelation chapter 20. I'd ask you for a little while. I don't expect to be very long. I'm trying not to be very long this morning. But I'd, And I don't know if my preaching will be the same manner that I normally go about it. There has never been a more somber subject to deliver unto any pr- group of people than what I'm preaching about today. This is the message. This is one of the messages. There's many now. It used to be that you would... There were a few messages that would get you marked. This is one of them. Now there's a long list of any, you can preach anything now, and it marks you as a fanatic, as a, as a, as a far out right wing kook of some kind. This is the message. This is one of the ones that get preachers labeled and gets us, uh, gets us rocks thrown at us and so forth. But it's still in the Word of God. And it's still, it's still a truth that uh, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. There is, a, there is a sad day coming. There is a bad day coming for the lost. There's a glad day coming for the child of God. But those who don't know the Lord, there is a judgment to answer to. This world says, this world says, nobody can judge me but God. But they have forgotten that He is going to. And they fail to remember that you're going to stand and give an account before the Lord. And I'm preaching this morning on that great white throne judgment. And that will be the entirety of the message, the great white throne judgment. I'd ask you to give me your undivided attention for just a little while. May not be the kind of thing that makes you want to run the, run the pews and uh, run the aisles and swing from chandeliers. But we don't have chandeliers this morning. We only have shop lights. Amen. And so, but I want to preach what the Lord's laid on my heart. I prayed sincerely about this, been praying about it all week, spent some time talking to my girls about it on Thursday night and Friday night and uh, sharing with them what the Lord had put on my heart for the message this morning, spent all the day yesterday musing on it, thinking about it, praying about it, asking God to give me the order and the manner in which to preach it in and the wisdom to declare unto you what the Word of the Lord says. I would invite you to stand with us in reverence to the reading of the Word of the Lord from Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and beginning in verse number 11. The Word of God says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven did uh, fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The Bible said in verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Verse number 11, John begins this portion of Scripture saying, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. I have an acquaintance who has come to hear me preach at revival meetings across the southeast. The last several years I have... uh, prayed for her brother repeatedly. We prayed for him here in this church in in a prayer meeting week after week after week. Some will remember it when I tell the rest of this story. I read letters from him in the congregation. She told me of the day that he was found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt 
by a jury of his peers for a murder of an older couple. It is her belief, and possibly so, that he had not committed this crime. But the court called him before the presence of the judge for sentencing. When the judge condemned him to execution by the electric chair, it was more than his family could bear to listen to on that day of the judgment. The attorney's appeals would be unproductive. Their request for the governor to stay the execution for more time to argue their case were ignored. The last meal was served, the last words were spoken, and this man went into eternity to meet God, having been judged by a court of man for this crime. He was somebody's little boy. He was someone's brother, someone's friend. But he must answer to the judgment. Moreover, after the last heartbeat was felt and his last breath was extinguished in this life, he went into eternity. And in eternity there will be another judgment for him and for all. The crowd in eternity, my friend, when it stands before God, the court will not get it wrong. He may or may not, having been judged guilty, he may or may not have been guilty. He may, it's possible that the court in this world got it wrong. It is possible that they got it wrong. But when you stand before the court in heaven, but when you stand before the judge in heaven, when you stand before the judgment at the last day, the court will not get it wrong. My friend, the judge will make no mistakes. There will be in this world that there is no justice. It's inequity on every side. But there will be no injustice on that day. You hear me? There is coming another judgment in eternity that will be much more serious. You say, preacher, more serious than a man being executed? More serious than a person going to the electric chair? More serious than life and death? Oh, yes. The eternal judgment is more serious than life and death for it is a matter of eternity. It is a matter of forever. It is a matter of, my friend, that is of eternal importance. And it is a serious thing. There is coming a judgment after this life. There is coming a judgment, friend. And it is called in our chapter this morning the great white throne judgment. Now I want to tell you a few things about this and then uh, by way of introduction and then I want to try to, to introduce you to and to preach about and describe as best human minds can understand and human words can explain this thing of the great white throne judgment. First of all, I want you to know this morning that God Himself will be the judge and His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that His Son will be at His right hand and both of them will be in complete agreement on the day of the judgment. Romans 2 and 16 said, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Do you know how the Lord God of heaven is going to measure mankind? He's not going to measure me by Brother John and Brother John by Brother Bob and Brother Bob by Brother Eddie. But rather, my friend, people will stand before the great white throne and we'll talk about who will in just a moment. But men who stand before the judgment of God will be judged by Jesus Christ. They, my friend, will be judged according to the gospel that is written in these books. They will be judged according to the word of the Lord. And God Himself, His Son by His side, will be the judge of the universe. Genesis 18 and 25 says that He is the judge of all the earth. You don't decide what is right and wrong, whether you're ready to get to heaven or whether you're not. And my friend, you don't get to make that argument. Many will try on that day. But the Lord Himself will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. It's about God in that last judgment. Now listen to me this morning. God Himself will be the judge. His Son will be in His right hand. And listen, secondly, by way of introduction, no children of God will be 
be judged in this judgment. The great white throne judgment will not be for the children of God. I know there are some who part ways with me here, but I'm just preaching the Bible. And this account that we've read unto you this morning, dead, small and great, stand before God. And it is all those, according to verse 15, whose name is not found written in the book of life. It's lost people. This is the judgment of the lost. This is the judgment of the unsaved. This is the judgment of the unbeliever. Child of God, listen to me. That doesn't mean you won't stand before judgment. Just not this particular occasion. Our judgment will be held at the judgment seat of Christ some thousand years before this judgment here that is held. We will stand before, my friend, at the scene. We will stand before the scene of the judgment seat a thousand years before this scene of the great white throne judgment. What we're seeing here in our passage today is after the rapture. It is after the resurrection. It is after the reunion. It's after the tribulation. It is after the return of Christ. It is after the millennial reign. It is after the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is after the defeat of Satan. My friend that comes in chapter 20. It is the last. It is the final judgment. It is the last judgment that will be held. The saints will be judged but will not be judged with the lost. Hear me. God will have us stand before the judgment bar. We do not stand in the same type of judgment or in the same place of judgment as the lost. I praise God for that. First Thessalonians 5 and 9. But God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain mercy, obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The saved will not be there, but all lost will be there. All sinners will be there. All unbelievers will be there. It will be the worst scene in the existence of humankind. My friend, listen. The saved will not be there. Your only hope where it comes when it comes to the great white throne judgment, your only hope, your only hope is not to be there, friend. Your only hope is not to stand in that great white throne judgment. There will be no escape. There will be none set free on that day. Something's going to happen at the great white throne judgment that a lot of people do not realize is even in the Bible. Something's going to happen that is spelled out in black and white and is said word for word for us in the Scripture that most people do not consider will ever take place. But if this great white throne judgment hell will open its gates for the first and only time for souls to accept. And people who are in hell will come out of hell. Am I preaching the Word of God right, Brother Eddie? Those who are in hell will come out of hell. And the sea, verse 13, gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their words. Hell opens its gates. And every condemned, lost person who's ever gone to hell without God is marched before the great judgment of God. It will be the march of the damned toward the great white throne of God in judgment to stand in haunted, ghastly horror. Oh, God, help us. And none of you this morning have to go. None need to go. And I want none to go. But most will stand in this judgment for it's a broad way that leads unto disaster, leads unto death, leads unto destruction. It's a narrow way that leads unto life. And few there be that find it. Most men and women, boys and girls, will stand in this great white throne judgment. In this judgment, my friend, when they stand before the great white throne, the righteous, a pure, holy, and just throne of God that fling at the gambling tables won't seem so exciting then. The wild parties will have lost their appeal. The thrills of fulfilling the lust of the flesh will, my friend, have been forgotten. And the selfish works of man will become nothing but a nasty memory that you wish you could put away forever. Your only hope, your only hope, your only hope. And my 
nothing concerning this judgment is not to be standing in this great white throne judgment for there will be none set free on that day nobody will stand in the great white throne judgment be found not guilty exonerated of all their sins ushered on into heaven and told what good little boys and girls they are guilty people will stand in the judgment on that day going to talk a little more about why that is in just a moment but I want to tell you friend your only escape for this judgment is to escape it now it's mercy now or judgment later it's get right or get left it's repent or perish it is turn or burn. It's not my friend it's Jesus or it's the devil it's heaven or hell and the decision time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is the time to get things right with God. You cannot beg your way in talk your way in. Plead your way in. Plead your way out. There is no escape. There is no getting out of it once you get to that great why throne judgment none will escape on that day I want to tell you about four things concerning this judgment this morning and a few things about those four things and I'd encourage you this morning to listen very closely first of all I want you to notice the attendance at that judgment verse number 12 the Bible says and I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their words. He said dead, small and great, little people and big people, people of high degree, people of great power, people who were paupers and princes. It does not matter. Every lost person, every unconverted individual, every unbeliever, every person who has received the, or who has refused the blood of the Lamb, from Adam's time until the last time, the end of time, will be in attendance to answer for themselves. And there'll be no hiding behind someone else. There'll be no slipping around and hiding behind someone's coattails. There'll be no blaming it on somebody else that didn't do you right. Or that so was a poor example. Or some preacher up the road or down the road who didn't do right and serve right. I'm sure all those things will be said. But they will not be adequate excuses have the attendance on that day. Listen to me, friend. All the eternally wicked will be there. All of the eternally wicked will be there. And not one will be set free. I began to think about this yesterday, Brother Bob. And Judas will be there. Jesus said it'd be better for him if he'd never been born. And Judas will be there. And my friend, remembering 30 pieces of silver, Pharaoh will be there. Remembering the chariots of the Red Sea and the parted waters that washed him back under. King Agrippa will be there. I remember him being almost persuaded to become a Christian. King Felix will be there. Brother T.J. trembling and recalling his words to Paul. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. The Hamans, the Herods, the Hitlers, the Husseins and all the other how rulers of wicked acclaim who oppress God's chosen people will be there remembering their sinful lives. Oh, my friend, the eternally wicked will be there. People like Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, and David Berkowitz, son of Sam, Charles Manson, and others who have killed for pleasure at the causing suffering will be there on that day and most of us expect that to be the case. But listen to me, friend. Not only will the eternally wicked be there, but millions of respectable persons will be there. Religious people will be there. Religious people will be there. Baptists will be there. Methodists will be there. Catholics, Pentecostals, Jews, Hindus, Muslims, all other sorts 
of deeply religious people will be there. Having believed a lie and been damned, they will stand before God unprepared, lost and undone, full of religious and yet lost because, my friend, they did not know the only Lord Jesus in the free pardon of sin. People of high moral fiber will be there. They will stand in attendance. They didn't steal. They did not kill. They did not commit adultery. But they did refuse the Christ of Calvary. Listen to me, friend. You don't go to heaven because you're a Baptist, because you've been baptized. You don't go to heaven because you hadn't stolen anything, killed anybody, had committed lewd sexual acts. You go to heaven because your sins are forgiven. You go to heaven because your heart is right with God. You go to heaven because Jesus lives on the inside. And the crowd there that day will just be lost people lost people charitable people will be there that day for the job they gave to the Red Cross the United Nations Children's Fund the Humane Society and my friend they even gave to the church but they never gave their heart to Jesus if you give a million dollars my friend to help a children's hospital I say thank you we appreciate that every sick little child will appreciate it but it does not redeem your soul in heaven you cannot do enough charitable acts. Oh, God, help us. I praise the Lord, friend. The escape is in Jesus Christ. The atmosphere. What must it be like when you stand before God at that great white throne judgment? There are people in the building this morning that will be in attendance. Don't want you to be. You don't have to be. I've talked about who's going to be there. What will the atmosphere be like? We come to church now so frivolously, so carelessly, looking at telephones, playing Candy Crush, answering text messages, playing on Facebook, reading and scribbling in books, chewing bubble gum, popping bubbles, and take it all so lightly. But there will be none of that on that day, friend. There will be no lightheartedness on that day. I've been told ever since I was a 13-year-old preacher, boy, lighten up. This thing's not so serious. That's not so important. Hear me? It is so serious. And it is so important. We're talking about eternity. I've had people ask me, why do you preach so loud? Why do you preach so hard? Why do you preach so long? Because men continue to turn a deaf ear to the gospel and hell and eternity. It's too long to be wrong. And the judgment is too serious to be lost, friend. It's too serious to be lost. It's too serious to be lost. The atmosphere, look at verse number 11. It will not be an atmosphere of frivolity and lightheartedness. It will not be an atmosphere of carelessness and casualness. He said, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face to the earth and the heaven fled away. It shows us His righteousness, His judgment, His holy indignation, His power, His preeminence, His prominence. And my friend, how He sits high. And there was found no place for thee. You can run, but you cannot hide. The atmosphere, I cannot imagine or describe the scene at this judgment. Listen to me, I do have some idea of where it will be. He said, and I saw a great white throne. This is the throne of God. Him that sat on it. This is the Lord. I do have some idea of where it will be. Are you listening? Revelation tells us in chapter 4 and 5 about that throne. And when we find it, where is it? It's in heaven. When John or when Ezekiel sees it in Ezekiel 1, he describes that throne and it's in heaven. 
when Isaiah sees it, although Isaiah is in the temple, he sees a heavenly vision and heaven moved into where he was and shook the doorpost when it came in. The pillars, are you listening to me? It shook the pillars when he came in. The pillars recognized the presence of God. And anybody that is here last Sunday morning knows what I'm talking about. The pillars know it when God shows up. A pillar in the temple of our God. And they shook when he came in the door. But when Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw him high and lifted up. He was in heaven. This judgment will happen at least in the presence of heaven. Maybe in the premises of heaven. His throne, it will happen at His throne. We do know that. His throne is in heaven. These lost people, what I'm saying is, these lost people will see heaven just long enough to be judged and to see what they will be eternally missing. And my friend, they will view that city of New Jerusalem. They will see the beauty and the splendor there. 1,500 miles square. The Bible said it's 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide. 1,500 miles high. We can't imagine anything like it. And my friend, the splendor, the beauty, the jewels, the pearls, the emeralds. If I began to describe it all this morning, we'd run out of time. And my friend, they will see the twelve gates, the highways of gold, the pure and transparent. They'll see the river with trees on both sides that are fed with the life of the river. They'll see a city where there's no graveyards, and no funeral homes, no prisons, no hospitals. They'll get a glimpse of a place where there is no crying in the ghettos, no babies born in the sinful homes, and no bloated, hungry bellies on boys and girls with dirty faces. And my friend, they'll see a city without any power plants, electric lights, or even a sign or a moon. For Christ Himself will be the light of that city, and His light will radiate with millions of colorful rays and from every glittering jewel and from the pillars of the temple of the eternal God in heaven which is us but praise God Jesus will outshine them all I yearn to see that city I thank God I'm bound for that city hallelujah 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 Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. But here's the reason why. There to sing forever of his saving grace. If you don't know saving grace, you don't yearn to see that city. For the only time you'll ever see that city will be at the great white throne judgment of God. And it will be just long enough for you to see what you cannot have. To see where you cannot enter. To see where you be eternally separated from. The lost will see it and they'll know that they missed it. Judas will see the other apostles' names on the foundation, but his name will not be there. Sinners will see the book of life where the names of the saved are recorded according to our chapter and verses this morning. But their names will not be there. They'll see a place where their names could have been written, should have been written, but they refuse Jesus Christ. The atmosphere, beggar's description, the attendance, the attendance, the atmosphere, Then I want you to notice the accuser this morning. Satan will be in attendance at that meeting. Verse number 10 is right before we began reading. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. Revelation 12 and 10 says of Satan, he is the accuser of our brethren, which accuse him before our God day and night. Revelation 12 and 9 calls him the great dragon, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. Verse number 10 said that he was cast into the lake of fire. He's the one that deceived them, the Bible says. Everybody from verse 11 to verse 15, they fell to the deception of the dragon, the serpent, the liar. 
Listen to me, the reason why people are going to hell today is because they have heeded the lies of the devil. Amen. 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 Do you realize we are in a world where religious people don't even believe in a real devil? If I didn't believe in a real devil, I wouldn't believe in a real Jesus, wouldn't believe in a real God, wouldn't believe in a real hell, wouldn't believe in a real heaven. But I'm telling you, I really believe in all of that. Satan is deceiving men and soothing their conscience and telling them everything is okay and millions upon millions and multiplied millions will stand before the great white throne judgment unprepared on their way to eternal fire because of Satan deceiving them. Satan used religion to deceive. Matter of fact, it's quite possibly his most useful tool. I was listening to Brother Oliver B. Green on the way to church this morning, and he made the statement that the devil's most useful tool is religion, false religion, that it is the enemy of Christ, that it is the enemy of the gospel, that it is the enemy of the church, that it is the enemy of Christianity. True religion is not the same as all other religion. Just any old religion, just any old religious system, just any old faith system will not work. He said, you're a Baptist. You don't need to be saved. You've joined the church. Your name is on the roll. Satan said to another, you've been christened and confirmed and been a confessional. And to another, he said, knock on some doors, pass out some literature, be a good person and it'll be okay. But at the judgment, his deception will be clear. Religious people will stand there lost and on their way to eternal fire. <laughs> Satan has used drugs and alcohol to deceive. He soothed the troubled soul with the high of marijuana smoke, the effect of a pill or the juice of a needle. Oh God, help us. Have numbed men. Have numbed men march like zombies toward hell and toward judgment with no concern for their own damnation. And while God the Holy Ghost tries to work in their heart, they try to drown out have the voice of God with a bottle of liquor or silence him with a pill or a needle. And Satan has confused, distorted and destroyed destroying this whole world through the deception of drugs and alcohol. Men of God preach until our bellies are sore and our liver turns inside out trying to warn people about a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. And they sit there and stare a hole through you because they're zoned out on stuff that's got their mind ruined. And it's a work of the devil, amen. 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 Zoned out all the time. People just so wrapped up in that mess. A pill to wake up and a pill to go to sleep. Had a pill to eat and a pill to do without eating. Had a pill to gain weight and a pill to lose weight. And then a drink of liquor to wash it down with. And then listen, don't look at me funny this morning. I have attended funerals this year. I've saved people who got wrapped up in that and found themselves destroyed. And it drives me absolutely up a tree to think that God's people believe that they too can play with this stuff and get by and somebody needs to stand up again and cry loud and spare not and say that liquor crowd and that wine drinking and those tequila bottles and my friend the marijuana and the cannabis and all that stuff out of hell amen Satan is using it to keep the minds of men spellbound. It's like witchcraft over their minds. Am I preaching right? Brother Eddie and I went to see a man years ago. You know it's the truth. He was with me. Went to see a man years ago. He was dying with cancer. He was down to a sack of bones, buddy. There wasn't much left to him. Maybe 95, 100 pounds. Had been a big man, strong man, smart man, hard work and accomplished, financially fit man. And he sat there while we talked with him. And he said, well, me and Jesus has got a deal worked out. He took and poured into his cup. He took and opened a can of that chocolate milk and sure. Hey, you know, that they give you to try to help sustain you when you can't eat because of sickness. And he poured about a half a cup of insure. Took a lid off a bottle of Jack Daniel 
Daniels. I poured the rest of that cup full of Jack Daniels. He swirled it around in that cup. Drank that liquor mixed down in his body. And he said everything's going to work out. It's all okay. You're foggy mind. Under the influence of alcohol and drugs, sir. I may say everything's alright. You're a foggy way of thinking. And through the influence of pharmaceuticals and pills and marijuana oil and all of this stuff may say everything's okay. It may tell you life's alright, but you're on the sled to hell and you gotta have God to do a miracle in your life. It'll take Jesus to save you from the bottle and from the needle and from the pills and from the joint. Amen. Yes, sir. Satan uses drugs and alcohol to, to us deceive. Satan uses morality to deceive. Clean living, honesty, transparent business dealings, faithfulness to your marriage vows are all commendable traits. And they may soothe your soul, but they cannot save your soul. I'm not a thief preacher. Good for you. I'm not an adulterer. Good for you. You shouldn't be. I don't tell lies. You probably just did. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Are you listening to me this morning? Being a good moral person will not save your soul. Satan tells you that everything's all right. You've got a little money in the bank. He uses finances to deceive. Easier for the camel to get through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Man named Jesus said that. I didn't say it. Wealth and the pursuit of it gives the feeling of security. But what is it profiting a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Is anybody listening to the preacher? Satan uses education to deceive. Not opposed to a lot of these things I'm preaching about. Some of them I am. I'm not opposed to all of these. Some of them I embrace. I oppose them as a method to saving your soul. For they cannot. Degrees, technology, intelligence, scientific advances make men think that they are great and God does not exist. Human achievement, not godly existence. Human achievement is what really matters. But the great white throne judgment awaits and none will escape. Satan uses pleasures to deceive. Here we are on a holiday weekend. I'm preaching what I'm preaching right now. And millions upon millions upon multiplied millions are somewhere or another on the lake today. Count a beer in one hand, fishing pole in the other. Saying, boy, we're living a good life. Not even one time does God cross their mind. Satan uses pleasures to deceive. He says, forget all that somber religious stuff. Those fanatical preachers, they just carry it too far. Just enjoy your life. Have a party. Live for the weekend. There is no heaven or hell. There is no judgment. Just live it up in the here and now. But he is a liar. And the great white throne judgment is coming. The attendance, the atmosphere, the accuser, and I'm finishing this morning. The affirmation, the affirmation that will take place. Why would God hold such a judgment if nobody's going to get exonerated? Nobody's going to be found innocent? Nobody is going to be let go? Nobody's case that they argue will be worth hearing. The judgment's not about trying you to see if you are guilty or not. It is a sentencing. The judgment is not about to try man and determine guilt or innocence. All who stand there will be guilty. There are two reasons for this judgment in my estimation. Maybe there's more. At least two. One is to affirm the sentence of the guilty. Verses 12 and 13, I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before God. The books were open, another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books 
according to their works. The seed gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. The books will be opened. They will be judged, the Bible says, according to their works. One will not be held accountable for what someone else did. He can't say, oh, that was not me. That was my brother. That was my sister. I didn't do it. What's the first thing your children say? you got more than one child. If you have an only child, he's just stuck with it. Amen. But if you have more than one child, as soon as you walk in the room, you say, what happened? Instead of them telling you what happened, they say, I didn't do it. You didn't ask them who did it. You ask them what happened. But the first reaction they have is to defend themselves. I didn't do it. What happened? I didn't do it. I don't care who did it. Tell me what happened. When you stand before the great white throne judgment, there will be none of this. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. God will open the books and say, I see exactly what you did. Not going to convince me of your innocence. No, uh, no uh, way to redirect the conversation. You're guilty. One preacher said these books were the 66 books of the Bible. That condemn the works of sinful men. It's very possible. Matthew 7.22 said that. They that had done wonderful works. Is what they said of themselves. Lord have we not done wonderful works. But God will call them workers of iniquity. God will confirm the lies. The theft. The hatred. The malice. The deceit. The lust. The secret sins. You're stealing from your employer. God knows about it. You're running around on your spouse. and God knows about it. You got a bottle of liquor hid somewhere out in the barn or tucked away. A bottle of wine tucked away behind the, uh, behind the bu- a bowl of butter in the refrigerator. You think nobody knows about it, but God knows about it. Amen. He sees what's under the seat of your truck. He sees what's between the mattresses. He knows about uh, the history of your device use. All the secret sins. When you thought nobody was around to see, God was watching all the way from heaven. I don't care if you're saved this morning. That frightens all of us. The fact of the matter is we're living our lives and God's watching it all and we ought to remember He walks with us. He's not just walking, watching from heaven. He's walking with us. Where we go, He goes. This body belongs to Him. We'll not stand in the great white throne judgment. We got our own judgment to deal with and I'll preach on that another day. Lost man, the Lord sees it and you're not going to convince Him otherwise. Maybe you've made your parents believe that it's not so. Maybe the church thinks you're all right. Maybe your wife or your husband thinks everything's okay, but God sees the truth. It will affirm the sentence of the guilty. And for every lost person, they'll be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Second reason for this great white throne judgment is not only the affirmation of the guilty and the sentence of the guilty, but it is the affirmation of the innocent. Thought you said nobody was getting by. Nobody was being let go. Nobody was being set free. They're not. The innocent one at this judgment is God. How in the world could God hold such a thing? How could He hold such a judgment where nobody could get by? How does God let this happen? The great white throne declares justice, innocence, and righteousness. The great white throne judgment will exonerate God. It'll exonerate God of all the false charges of men when men stand before God and say it's not right the way you have treated me. And God shows them their opportunities and mercy at salvation and redemption and being born again and how they repeatedly refused Him. It will exonerate God. God does not conduct this judgment because He's a monster. But it's to declare His righteousness. 
Many on that day will say, Lord, 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 did we not? Did we not? They'll argue with God at the great white throne judgment. But the Lord will remind them of all He did to save the lost. I believe on that day, Scripture doesn't give us details, but this is what I think. Take it for what it's worth. I believe on that day, He will take people. Time will not be an issue. He will take people in their mind and roll them back in a flash to a city called Jerusalem where a mob has gathered together and an innocent man stands beaten and bruised and his face battered, eyes almost undiscernible, beard plucked out until his face looks like hamburger meat and his back having been beaten until his insides are coming out and his body is so weak he can hardly stand and an old rugged Roman cross being placed on his back and the crack of the wheel and the cursing of the soldiers is heard as if they stand in the judgment that day and in their mind's eye follow him up Calvary's hill hearing the cursing and the beating and the yelling oh the accusations falsely cast in God and seeing the face of our Redeemer and all the way up Calvary's hill as he's nailed to the cross and hung between heaven and earth and praise Father forgive them and the Lord looks upon the sinner and the judgment and says have this same Jesus was buried for your sin and rose again to give you victory he'll bring them on through the annals of time to that certain place, that certain time, that certain disciple, that certain minister, that certain message. Maybe this one I'm preaching here this morning when God has shared the gospel with their souls and the Holy Spirit said now's the time to get it right and they shook their head, said no, refused the God of heaven. He'll take them to their dirtiest sin, to their rottenest sin to the dirtiest, filthiest thing they've ever done. And they'll find them guilty. He'll say, I would have forgiven you. I would have saved your soul. I would have written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. But you would not trust my son. And all men on that day will be without excuse and about all they can say is God is right. You said, I don't read anywhere in the scripture where you said that God's right. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all that will be left to be said for the eternally lost is, Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. If you'll do that today, Amen. You can skip that judgment altogether. But if you wait until then, there will be no deliverance. Is anybody listening to the preacher? It is mercy now or judgment later. And on that day, all that they will be able to say is, Lord, you're right. Oh, they believed Satan and self and society and never knew the Savior. And he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. I'm finished preaching this morning. Please come with a song. Let's sing, there's a great day coming. A great day coming. Your only hope this morning is to escape the great white throne judgment by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior today. Have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Today is your only answer. Listen to me this morning. If you're lost, hear me. Jesus will do it. He'll save you if you'll trust Him. He'll write your name down in the book of life. And every devil in hell cannot take that out. There's a record book. My name is written in. It was recorded there when I was born again. Verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Luke 10 and 20 says, this is why we rejoice. Not because the devils are subject unto us, 
but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. I'm glad I know my name is there. There is a great day coming. Are you ready for that day to come? Where's your name? Everybody stand this morning. Many of you do not need to sing or even touch a hymn book. You need to come pray. If you're lost, would you come? Say, folks are praying for lost people that are here. Praying for lost family members. Praying for people close to them that they know that are headed at breakneck speed toward the great white throne judgment. And you can be saved today. Sing for us when you're ready. Now it's up to you, between you and the Lord. 